Welcome to the Joy Revolution Podcast. My mission here is for you to find your unique inner genius and to live out a life in your full potential. We are all looking for this ultimate state of joy and most of us are trying to get there in very inefficient ways. Conversation by conversation, we will uncover the multiple blocks we harbor that keep us small and block us from well-being and abundance. I am your host, my name is Isabel. I am a holistic psychologist, a certified intuitive eating counselor and a breathwork teacher. So I invite you to take a cup of tea or coffee, do be safe if you're driving and let's go. Hello, beautiful listeners, and welcome to episode number three. I'm gifting you today with my interview about breathwork with my teacher, John Paul Crooney. And I actually hesitated a lot, a lot, a lot before putting out this podcast because I was meant to be recording a podcast on the topic of how to move from fear and scarcity mindset into abundance and trust. And as I was doing that, as I was trying to record my solo episode on it, it just felt so off. It wasn't flowing. Uh, I felt frustrated. I felt like, oh, what's the point of what am I doing here? And so I just sat back and asked myself, what doesn't feel right here? What am I trying to push? And why is this not the right time to give that to people maybe? And it just dawned on me how I was just doing what I myself have been feeling into that I find very annoying in the online world at this point is that everybody is out there telling you how to be, telling you what to do, telling you that if you want to have, you know, a good life, if you want to survive Corona and not just survive, but thrive into Corona, this is what you need to adopt. This is what you need to know. And I was like, God, I'm sick and tired of these messages, of receiving them. So I actually don't want to be a part of giving that to you at this moment. I believe that this is not what we need because you are sovereign. You are intelligent. You know what is right for you right now. You know it. You don't need me explaining theories and talking about what manifestation is and why it's possible now here as well and how to reset your nervous system the thing is I feel that we're all being called in this moment to come back to ourselves and to understand that nobody knows better than me and I want to make that really clear in all my content I've always worked like that uh, with people but I want to make that extremely clear that I am not here to tell you what is true I'm here to help you find your truth and your truth, your way of optimally dealing with all of this, of taking out of this what needs to be taken out of this is really, really personal, so personal. And I think that with social media, with online noise, we easily get distracted from who we are. We easily think that other people know better, that other people must know something more than we do because of seemingly they have a better life seemingly they're someplace where you want to be and you're not there yet but they don't have that answer you have it and if they're a good coach or a good guide or whatever they can help you find your answer and so today I was like you know what fuck it just fuck the whole how to go from fear into abundance thing I want to gift you with a tool today with knowing more about a tool, breathwork. And breathwork is a tool that is designed to activate your own inner healer, is designed to bring you closer to yourself, to your inner knowing. And everybody's inner knowing is extremely different. I really want to point that out when I say in my intro that I'm here to help you find your zone of genius. Your zone of genius is not like 
that famous person that you admire's zone of genius or that other famous person that you admire zone of genius. It is extremely specific what it is, how you will put it into place, who you speak to, um, what kind of product, you know, it's so, so, so unique to you. And in many instances, it can feel and be really disempowering if you just keep looking outside of yourself. And it's very subtle. Um, I thought I wasn't looking outside of myself, but there's very small ways in which you still give your power away. You still think that somebody else knows better than you, that you are lesser than. And that's just not true. It's not true. So breathwork is a powerful tool that is just that, just a tool. It has no dogma around it. It's not a religion. It's an ancient old tool that's now being refurbished, reused in different settings and just helps people in some ways connect with themselves. And for me personally, um, breathwork was a catalyzer. Breathwork really helped me feel my body in ways that I didn't know were possible. It helped me connect with myself. And it is in times of fear, anxiety, in times of uncertainty or depression, the thing I go to first because it instantly shifts my state. And from that new state in which breathwork brings me, I can then think clearly, which as before I couldn't. Now we're talking about all of this in this interview. So this is interview with John Paul Krimi. John Paul Krimi is the person I decided to learn breathwork from uh, for very specific reasons that we'll discuss in the interview. He's so funny. He's so, um, yeah, he's really, really something. And I think you will enjoy his approach as well and learning more about it. John has become quite the legend in the breathwork world. So he started out as a sober coach and has worked with famous people, celebrities all around as a personal coach. And as a breathwork coach, he's one of the most sought after teachers in LA at the moment. He has such a huge heart and here I am just so honored to have him on this podcast to share him with you and to see what you may get out of this. I myself am hosting a two weekly breathwork session, which is donation based donation based because of special circumstances so literally if you have the funds to give you give but do not feel guilty do not shame yourself if you're not giving okay it's a coming together in zoom with an intimate group so i don't do large breathwork groups uh, it's intimate and we just come together in sisterhood breathe feel into our body feel into our emotions transform and connect with deeper layers of ourselves john himself has a beautiful introduction course, a five-day breathwork course that I highly recommend. And he is at this moment also doing online breathwork. His high-end, like really amazing energy breathwork style. Um, he is bringing it now to the wider public thanks to Corona Online. So check that out as well. All the links are in the show notes. And on a last side note, this interview was recorded before Corona. It was recorded in November 2019, to be very specific. That's how I roll. I'm a very slow and steady kind of person. So this interview is free of any subjects linked to Corona. It really is just him and me talking about a magnificent tool, how it can help you change your life and what are the pitfalls around this. Um, yeah, I just really hope you enjoy all of this with all my heart. Sending so much love and see you at the other end. Hello, I'm here today with Jean-Paul Crimi, breathwork facilitator, teacher, trainer, sober coach and CEO. And I'm so excited because he meant so much for me. And to start this podcast, I always start with a little bit of impromptu questions. So to get the hang of it, to get into it. Of course, if anything is inappropriate in those questions, you can decide not to answer. But I want to start with this one. Kind of inappropriate. So okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Um, John, what was one of your most embarrassing moments in life? Oh, I mean, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> um, I think the first time I got drunk, probably when I was 12, um, I woke up on my friend's lawn the next day. We were camping, and um, and I but I woke up outside the tent on the lawn, covered from head to toe in mosquito bites, 
with a black eye that I'm told some girl gave me. Oh. And I had alcohol poisoning, and I and I had to walk home that way in, in my underwear. In your so, underwear? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I think the next 14 years of drinking were just variations on that one particular night. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Probably the most embarrassing moment. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. So... I can't believe we're starting with that. <laughs> um, building further upon that, what kind of kid were you? Because that was quite early on in your life that this happened already. Yeah, I, I think I was very sensitive and um, I wasn't shy, but I was sensitive. And, uh, and I grew up in kind of an environment in a place that didn't allow for someone to be sensitive. You know, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and, and it was kind of a tough town. And so um i had to push that sensitivity down and not show it as best mm -hmm. i could and that doesn't work right it's yep. like those like those feelings need to they need to be felt and and they come out sideways and so whatever you push down comes out sideways and comes out in other ways and alcohol was good for me and drugs were good for me because they helped me to deal with that and so um i like to party and do drugs and you know, drink alcohol, but it was really my solution to my mm. sensitivity and hiding my feelings. Yeah. Not, not feeling like I was enough. Yeah. I love how you said alcohol and drugs were good for me because, you know, exactly. They're in a way coping mechanisms that really truly were needed for you to survive in such a climate. Well, all addictions are, I mean, yeah. nobody wants to be an addict, mm -hmm. you know? So it's so annoying. People are like, oh, well, he he wants to do that. Like nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do drugs and feel horrible about themselves the next day. Nobody wants to eat until they're sick and feel yeah. terrible about themselves. Nobody wants to feel that way. Yeah. They can't help it. It's their it's their solution to their problem, which is an internal problem, right? Yeah. Which is that, you know I am not enough. You know. Yeah. It comes from this empty hole inside of us that we're trying to fill with drugs, with alcohol, with food, with sex, with shopping, with whatever we can. Mm. And so, and that hole is like, you know, I'm not enough. Or and, and most addictions stem from trauma, you know, childhood trauma. Um, and I, it was hard for me to see that because I didn't think I had a lot of childhood trauma. But not being, you know, not having your feelings be acknowledged and other things that happened to me, I definitely did, you know. Yeah, that. I mean, I think a lot of people can resonate with that. When I was thinking about my childhood, I was like, oh, you know, loving parents, amazing. But underneath the surface, especially when you're sensitive, like you say you are, the slightest thing, the slightest non-acknowledgement of emotion can really have a profound impact, right? So yeah. tell us more about that story of you and how breathwork came to mean so much for you. Um, well, so you want to know how I found breathwork or how... What, what, what it meant for you in, in your story, in your kind of <laughs> from being that sensitive child with no other outlet than alcohol to being like the amazing trainer and facilitator and, and coach that you are today. Sure. I mean, it didn't start with breathwork. It started with, you know, 12 step programs. Right. Mm. I started in there and. Um, you know, and I and I and I, I feel I feel that it's important to say that because I think everybody's looking for a way to not do twelve step programs that has addiction issues, right? They're like, I don't want to go to those meetings. I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to do that. And I get that. I didn't either. Um, but the truth is, is that's what works. Yeah. You know, that's the foundation. If you've got some kind of addiction, especially drugs and alcohol, and the food meetings and the sex meetings, they all work. Yeah. And you need that foundation. And so breath work is amazing and it took me to a whole nother level, but the foundation I found in 12 step. Um, and the, you know, the, the food one and the sex one, those are tougher because you have to get a good relationship with them. You can't just eliminate them like you can drugs and alcohol. Exactly. So those, those are more challenging addictions, right? Mm. Uh, so I think I was, uh, I want to say I was 13 years sober uh, in recovery before I found breath work. And what had, what's interesting about that is, um, I was I had done everything out there and um, done all the work and I thought I had sort of done it all. But the truth is, is that I was still really angry and I and I was pushing things down and the anger was coming out sideways because I was disappointed that some things in my life hadn't worked out. I got really close to some big successes and they had fallen apart. Mm. I, had, I had, you know, um, a screenplay 
stolen from me and made into a movie and that was really painful and I had helped all these people and watched them get really successful and that oh. was like where's mine you know I was feeling a little bit of where's mine like I'm helping all these people yeah you know my one of my friends reframed that for me which was really powerful he said if you start to measure your success by the amount of people you help then you're the most successful person I know instead of measuring it by money and fame mm. and shifted it for me and then it shifted again. I met Tony Robbins and that was a big change. I went to his seminar and I had a moment in there where I was like, I'm just going to let go of all these Hollywood aspirations and I'm just going to help people. Mm. And that's my gift. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help people. And when I came home from that, I found a breath work. Like it was like the universe just said, okay, you're going to help people. Here's mm. the tool, right? Mm. Two people who didn't know each other said to me, you need to go do breath work. And I was like, what's breath work, right? And I, and I went to go do it and I thought, oh, this is so stupid. I'm going to go to a class and someone's going to show me how to breathe. And I went in the room and there was like crystals and oils and it was all woo-woo and weird. And I'm from Boston. I was like, oh, this is so stupid. I can't believe I'm here. But when I laid down to do the breathing technique, the experience was undeniable. Hmm. And I had this massive, massive release of just... I would say like 30 years of just stuff just came out of me mm. and I let it all go. And the most common statement I hear after my classes and workshops and retreats now is, oh my God, that was like 20 years of therapy without having to say a word. People are saying that from my five day emotional detox course that's online. And But yeah, so what I love about breathwork is that you don't have to believe it's going to work for you. You know, I, I, I didn't. And I always have people in my class that tell me after my class, like, oh, I thought you were totally full of shit. And, <laughs> and then I, you know, the, the, in fact, the more you kind of don't think it's going to work for you, the bigger the experience, the bigger, oh. the bigger the surprise, right? You just have to lay down and do it. It's undeniable. That's what I love about it. I love to get the people in there that like their wife or their friend has dragged them there. And they're like, oh God, this stupid thing. And those are my people. I want to crack those people open and yeah. give them experience that they weren't expecting because that's how you change your life you don't change your life by doing the same shit over and over and over again exactly. you change your life by doing something new something different and in order to do something new something different you got to move out of your comfort zone and so if you don't believe me that it's powerful like try it that's what yeah, i tell exactly. people like, do it and then tell me i'm wrong afterwards because it's never happened never no one's ever come up to me after the end of a class or a workshop and been like yeah nothing happened that was a waste of time it's never, <laughs> just never happened yeah, and I can totally attest to that because I really feel your zone of genius is to get exactly what you're saying, those type of people who are skeptical, who've never done it, who's, who are very left brain into having this amazing experience, which is not which is not the case of every breathwork teacher, right? This is just your specific zone of genius, I feel. And I can attest to the transformative power of your five-day emotional detox, which is amazing, which, by the way, people can buy online. And so... <laughs> when when um when you talk about breathwork for the first time, so I'd like you to imagine kind of an ideal client of mine, a woman who's struggling with food as a coping mechanism, very difficult, um, binge eating, restricting, very unhappy with her body, and not spiritual, you know, not too spiritual, just curious to get a solution. How yeah. would you describe breathwork and its potential benefits to that person? Sure. Well, first of all, let me start off with like, I'm not really that spiritual. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I, I teach a spiritual practice and it, it makes me feel, I feel connected to something spiritual when I do it. But like, you know, I've had people, you know, when I tell people, no, I set boundaries with people or I say certain things, people go, you're a spiritual teacher. They get like shocked or surprised. I'm like, who the fuck said I was a spiritual teacher? You, you're, you're putting that label on me. I'm teaching this breathing technique that changed my life to other people yes it's a spirit that can be spiritual for some people for other people it's different things it's different for everybody mm. so i'm sorry i got off track but the question was for that for that client that woman who's struggling with food yeah. right and binge eating and all that kind of stuff oh it's so it's so hard to break the cycle and i get that like i know what that feels like to be in that cycle i feel like shit so i'm gonna eat a bunch of food and now i'm gonna feel worse yeah. Right. And then you, it's and it's a vicious cycle that keeps happening. And it, it's at some point, you know, you got to say enough is enough and then and then try something different. Mm. Right. That's what breaks out of the cycle, doing something different. Yeah. Because at some 
cycles of repeating over and over. It's a loop that you're stuck in. So you've got to try something new. You've got to try something different. And if you can just try something, say, breath work, and then you do it and you have this experience and now you go, okay, I'm going to do breath work when I feel like binge eating. So yeah. you replace the binge with the breathing. And listen, I was in an anger cycle. I was so angry. And there was a time someone ripped me off for $10,000 or whatever it was. I can't even remember. It does. It's so irrelevant now. And I was like, I'm going to go kill this person. I was so mad. And you know what? I want, I didn't want to feel the anger. Right. And the, the truth is anger is just the mask that sadness wears. I didn't want to feel sad that that happened to me. Right. Mm. So easier to feel anger than sadness for me. Right. Mm. So what I did was I laid down in the midst of like the angriest moment and I did 25 minutes of breathing mm. and it cleared out all that anger and I got to the sadness and then it cleared out the sadness and I had a good little cry and then I came up filled with gratitude and love. Yeah. So it took from, you know, anger and rage and homicide to gratitude and love in 25 minutes. Yeah. So if you can, if you feel like, you, you know, you're going to go into that binge, if you can just somehow, it's so hard, but there's that moment, if you can somehow just say, you know what, I'm just going to lay down on the floor and I'm just going to breathe for 10 minutes, three songs, just 10 minutes, three songs. And what you're doing when you're breathing is you're clearing out your head. And I've done this with addicts in the midst of their disease, like lay mm. down and have them breathe. And watch them come up and they're a different person, mm. totally different person. And so what you're doing is you're breaking that that moment where the, you're triggered and you want to go eat, whatever's triggering you, right? And yeah. so now you're doing something new. You're rewiring your, your brain. You're rewiring yourself that instead of going to eat when the trigger comes up, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to lay down and breathe. Mm -hmm. And and it's and that act alone to lay down and breathe and do that is an, is an act of self-love. Yeah, exactly. And, and the food, whether you believe it or not, is a, is punishment in a way. Like you're you're kind of punishing yourself, right? Yes. Smoking, smoking is punishment, right? All of it is punishment because you don't feel like you're enough, you, you, and I mean, it's never going to get better. And I'm a piece of shit, and I know how that feels. Mm -hmm. So if you can lay down and breathe for 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever, it doesn't matter. Until you start to feel better and you start to love yourself, it will shift it. You know, so it's really about loving yourself enough to take care of yourself. Yeah. If you do what's easy all the time, which is just picking up the food, picking up the drink, whatever, then life will keep getting harder and harder. But if you do what's hard, which is to stop that cycle, lay down, breathe, do something different, go to the gym, whatever, then life will get easier. Yeah. So yeah. breaking the cycle is the hardest part. It's that initial that moment mm, yeah thank you and I love what you're saying about the fact that it's an act of self-love and even though you know often people in breathwork they'll cry they'll have intense emotion crying is an act of self-love right yeah just integrating that emotion well in yeah I don't know why somehow in society it's become this thing yeah we're we're we're, we're, we're raised with like you shouldn't cry exactly right? yeah but like, nobody nobody and this planet, I don't think, that doesn't believe that you shouldn't go to the bathroom, right? Like, we're all <laughs> supposed to go to the bathroom. Because if you don't, you'll die. You have to eliminate the waste that your body has built up. Crying is actually the same thing in a different yeah. way. It's built up emotions. It's stored emotions. It's all this stuff. And if we don't find a way to clear them out, to eliminate them, it causes sickness and disease in our body. And that's where autoimmune disorders are coming in and all these different, you know, heart attacks and cancer and all this cancer is not genetic they've just proven that cancer is caused by stress yeah and, mm. and stress you know so you got to release that stress animals have a mechanism if a if a bunny rabbit gets chased by a fox or whatever and it escapes and gets away then it shakes to clear mm. out all that fear that it almost just got killed or eaten or attacked mm. that we need a mechanism to clear out all these emotions all the steered emotions so Breathwork is a great way to clear it out. It's it's all in the nervous system, and breathwork will clear it out of the nervous system. And then you have a nice big cry, and that's a release. There there is a reason we cry, right? yeah. just like there's a reason we go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's a necessary function of our body. Yeah. And I have people come up to me after class, and they say, "Oh my god, that's the first time I've cried in like three years." And I'm like, "You know, let that stuff out." And some people don't even know how to access that because they were trained at a young age. You know, don't cry, don't show emotion. Yeah. You know, and that's bullshit. You got to give yourself permission to cry, to let all that stuff out. And it feels yeah. good, you know. 
God, I so fully agree. I love how you've put that into words. And I do have a question for you regarding to people who seem to have tons and tons of resistance when doing breath work. So there's a certain amount of people who are like, just not getting into it. Like the mind is staying active. I see them doing the practice, but still they're moving there. It's like, it's just not happening, that release. What is your way of dealing with that or explaining that or, or what do you it's think? It's hard. I mean, the brain, so the, the brain, there's three areas of breath work that you have to overcome to have a big experience, a big release, right? Mm -hmm. Physical, mental, and emotional, right? So the physical is all this weird stuff is going to happen in your body. Your hands can clamp up. They're not going to get stuck that way. Your arms will get tingly. Your face is going to get tingly. Your jaw can get tight. All these weird physical sensations. If you can ignore that and just keep going, you know, you're going to, you're going to push through, right? Then the next part is the emotional part that we just talked about. If the tears start to come up, let them up, let them out, cry, right? So if you can let that emotion out, great. Then the last part is the mental part, right? And that's the toughest part for most people, for a lot of people. Your brain doesn't want you to do this because your brain's job is to protect you. It's hardwired to protect you. And there is a thing that happens during breath work that's incredible. It's called transient hyperfrontality. It shuts off part of the frontal lobe. It shuts off the critic that we all have that says, you suck, you're not enough. How are you gonna start a podcast? You don't even know how to use Facebook. How are you gonna do this? You're never gonna stop eating. You're always gonna be overweight. You're always gonna be, you know, it just talks shit to us. And that's part of the frontal lobe. And this breathing thing will shut that voice up. It's the most incredible feeling I've ever had in my life. It was the feeling I was always looking for with drugs and alcohol, but couldn't find it. Mm. So, but your brain doesn't want you to shut it off. So you have to override that. And so the brain is really smart. It finds interesting ways to stay on. So it'll go, oh, you're not doing the technique right. Something's wrong. You're not doing the technique right. You're, oh, uh, let me move my hands. Let me shake my hands out. Let me fix my blanket. Uh, oh, I'm cold. I'm this. I'm hot. I need a sip of water. It keeps finding jobs and tasks for you to do. Yeah. That way it can stay on. Whereas if you just kind of can just be like, shut the fuck up, lay still and just keep breathing and focus on the technique until you let go of the technique and let the breath take over and breathe you, you can have a big experience. But I mean, there have been tons of people in my classes that have been like, just stay still and breathe. And they can't, they can't, their mind is so powerful. They've let their mind take over their life. Mm. So, it's crazy because we're not supposed to operate fully from our mind all the time. People yeah. don't realize that anymore. And I think maybe computers and different things have, have made that worse, but we're not supposed to be up in our head all the time. We, we have this whole other thing. It's called a heart. And we're supposed to be operating from our heart center a lot of the time. And we're, some people are just so have gone so out of their heart and so up in their brain and up in their head that they can't shut off their brain. Mm -hmm. And breathwork is the best tool I've ever found to do that. But they even, there's some people that even struggle with that. If they, they just, you know, I would tell them to keep going longer if you can and push through you know, and tell them to stay still and just let go and let go of that perfectionism and yeah. having, right. And let go of the brain. And, you know, I've, I've seen it a lot and eventually it works, but some people are tougher than others. Yeah. They need a couple of rounds. I especially feel that some people get um, intense anxiety. Yeah. When, when the attachment to the mind is so strong and they're getting really anxious that they're about to let go. Yes. That's the point where I see people uh, getting stuck and yeah. Yeah, okay. the fear kicks in and they, they want to they wanna hang on to that fear. Yeah. They want to hang on to that anxiety. It's crazy to think that we'd rather stay miserable yeah. than go into the unknown. Yeah. You know, people will keep themselves in misery because it's safe to them yeah. than the unknown is unsafe so it's like wow you'd rather stay unhappy you'd rather stay with anxiety you'd rather stay with depression than do something different and let go you know yeah. step into the unknown in some way it's like we're addicted to that pain and addicted to the identity around it right 100 yes mm. yes if i'm not this pain yeah. and that comes from our stories right if I want to tell you the story of how I was ripped off by the movie company, let me tell you the story of why I was, how I was stabbed when I was 19 and almost died. And let me tell you, and because that's how I get attention. That's how I get love, right? By, by telling you my story. So a lot of that, all of it really goes back to our childhood and how we got love from our parents, right? Did you get love from your parents when you were really good in school and you brought home a paper with an A on it? Or did you get love from your parents when you were sick? And they took care of you. Oh, no, you're sick. Here's some soup. Here's a, 
you know, or did you get love from your parents when you misbehave? Not love from your parents. Did you get attention from your parents when you yeah. misbehave? Big one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like so, then you're addicted to misbehaving because you're, that's the only time they're paying any attention to you. So, yeah. how did you get love? You know, what was the what was the what was your technique for getting love when you were young? What was your? And then we've carried that into our adulthood. Yeah. And it's really hard to let go of that. But one of the things that's great about breathwork is it starts to you start to see those stories that you've been carrying around and maybe start to let go of some of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you get a, a view over it. The attachment really just dissipates little by little. Yeah. That was my experience as well. And also like what you said, it really reduces the inner critic. So for me, I tend to have this heavy kind of what you say, social anxiety about, oh, I can't podcast or I, I shouldn't do that and doing breath work in the morning just allows me to just do it and yeah. you know take the emotion with me and it's fine I've created three businesses from breath work because what I would do is that my head would go oh how are you going to create an online business you don't even do Facebook and then what I would do is I would just lay down and breathe for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and then just get to work yeah. right because the yeah. critic is now silent and now I'm going to get up and get to work on the thing right or uh, how are you going to start a sober companion company? You know, you don't, you know, you were a sober companion for 17 years, but you don't know how to run a business. You don't know how to run a company. How are you going to be a CEO? And then just breathe and get to work. Well, what do I need to do? Oh, I need to get a website. I need to get insurance. I need, you know, just breathe and then get to work on the thing. And then the critic turns back on a day, two days, three days later, whatever. And then you got to breathe again and get back to work again. Mm -hmm. And I've done that for the last seven years. And my life has exploded in the last seven years yeah. from doing that, right? Um, it's just been incredible. And now I'm like, I just keep going, oh, I I thought this was possible, but I've gone beyond that now. So now it's like, well, I have to open up my mind and expand my mind more. Like, oh, I, I, I can do much more than that. Mm -hmm. but I, I was like selling myself short. I was setting my goals too short because the possibilities are endless when you really start to focus on your life and yourself and and what you can accomplish and it's just incredible what you can get out there and do when you don't have that critic stopping you yeah. you know the most you know the most uh incredible uh you know inventions and dreams and um ideas they're all in the graveyard that's the that the graveyard you know has the most inventions and ideas because people go to their graves with these things you know, and they don't go after the. They don't go after them. They don't go after their dreams. They go because their fear stops them. Yeah. You know, and so if your fear isn't stopping you from doing these things, wow, what can you accomplish then? Yeah, exactly. Gosh, you're so inspiring. <laughs> I already feel like doing tens of things now. Um, I wanted to come back a little bit to your story of addiction and. You like because you have tons of experience with that and we all know that addiction is addiction if it's alcohol food drugs even you know exercising could be an addiction yeah I had that one too <laughs> okay. I would, that's how i became a personal trainer yeah. I many people make money off their addictions in fact 100 <laughs> percent. so what do you think is the core if, if you had to really go to the core of addiction like the core mechanisms that make it so that people get into such an intense external seeking of validation. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think it goes back. I said this a little bit earlier. I think it goes back to two things. It goes back to, you know, childhood trauma mm -hmm. and, and also, you know, not feeling like you're enough, not being seen, not being heard, not being felt. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've been, I've been really successful in, um, couple different areas in my life and I've, I've worked with a lot of big names celebrities and successful uh, business people you know billionaires and mm -hmm. uh, some of the most successful people on the planet and um and I don't say that to brag I say that to say that those people most of those people not all of them suffer from I'm not enough just like you or I do and in fact they suffer from it almost more than you or I do because that's what drives them right yeah. so it drives them to get the Oscar. It drives them to get the gold medal. It drives them to get the Grammy to make a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Because when I get the when I get the Oscar or I get the medal or the billion dollars, I'm going to be enough then, mm -hmm. right? And what happens is when they get it, they realize, oh, that didn't fix this hole inside of me that says I'm not enough. Mm. And then they get really depressed and mm. then they find addiction, right? Then they start to deep to dive into their, some, some, some type of addiction. Um, 
what one of the things that's great about breathwork is it clears out that lie that I'm not enough, you know, I'm not smart enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not hairy enough. I always joke, I'm not rich enough, I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. It clears out that lie, and and then you can start to feel like you're whole because you are whole. Yeah, addiction is like you know, sort of coming from a la- a place of lack. You know, yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not enough. So you know, let me drink or let me eat and then I feel like I feel better. Like it's trying to satiate this endless thing inside of us. What did you do? Like apart from breathwork, is there anything else that you do to maintain your balance? That's like necessary that you can't go without. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's funny. I'm laughing because, you know, in the beginning, when I first started to get sober, it was like, I had to go to a meeting and I had to, you know, exercise. And now I, I mean, it's, my sobriety is really solid. Like I'm coming up on 20 years, but like I do more now than I ever did. Not because I would, not because I would drink or use, but just because I want to feel good. Mm. So the more things I do to take care of myself, the better I feel. And the more consistently I do that, the better I feel consistently. Right. So I just don't allow myself to sort of go down that rabbit hole of not feeling good. Um, so I go to bed early. I get up early. Um, I saw that today, actually. Yeah, I was up. Get up four a.m., five a.m. I usually get up at four a.m. Today, I was up at three thirty a.m. But I know it's so weird. And it finally, when I was a personal trainer and I had to get up at like four thirty in the morning, I was like, someday I'm going to have you know lots of money and I'm not going to have to get up early in the morning. And now it's like I could sleep all day if I wanted, (laughs) and I and I get up at four in the morning. It's like a joke, but. Um, I feel really good when I do that because I get up and I do my morning routine, which I'll tell you. And mm. then I, and then I get to spend, a, and then I work for a couple hours, which feels great before my kids get up. And the hardest work is the creative work or something. I do the hard work first thing when my brain is fresh. And then I spend a, some time with my kids before they go off and, you know, and then I get some exercise in. But so my first thing I do when I get up is, um, I go into the, you know, my room and I stretch and I do a little bit of yoga, um, I do a few exercises, um, just a few light exercises. And then I'll do a little bit of breathing depending on what's going on. Sometimes I'll do a big breath work session. Sometimes I'll do, you know, the Wim Hof style, which is 30 breaths. Mm. I do all different types. Maybe I'll just, just do 20 connected breaths just to connect to my breath. And then I'll sit on the pillow and meditate for about 15 minutes, go get my coffee going. Um, and then I, you know, I spend some time with my kids. I work, spend some time with my kids, go do some exercise after the exercise. My choice of exercise is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's a martial art. I do that. It's kind of like fighting. Um, so I do that and then I come home and I do my float tank, which is, I don't know if you can see it. That's, it's that right there. It's a sensory deprivation tank or also called floating, you know, where you're in, you know, 10 inches of water filled with 800 pounds of Epsom salt. It gets you in this deep, deep, deep meditated state, but it also repairs your body. Mm. The Epsom salt takes all the inflammation out of your body, Mm. puts magnesium in it, which we're all deficient in magnesium. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just physically, mentally, emotionally, just totally repairs you. My wife has often said, you're being a jerk, go in the tank. Right? So she'll send me to the tank. It's your man and, and I come out of the tank and I'm like, I'm sorry. What you said. <laughs> I, I, and the same thing with breath work. Like, you know, you're being a jerk and I come, I go breathe and then I come back and I'll go, I'm sorry for what I said. Mm. I need to get some shirts made. So, um, yeah. Really so, good idea. Yeah. So I do the float tank in the afternoon. Um, and then at night I have a sauna, I'll go in the sauna and then it's cold shower after the sauna, but I've been doing cold showers in the morning too. The cold showers are a real game changer. Um, I mean, you can be in a bad mood or a bad state or a lethargic state or tired and go in and take a two minute cold shower and it'll snap you right out of it. It's the easiest and the hardest thing to do at the same time. Yeah, I can't imagine myself doing that. I couldn't either. I fought it for six years. And then I last year I started doing it, and it's been a game changer. And the other thing it's been great for is my immune system because yeah. I have alopecia, and my, you know my immune system was kind of weak because um, I think my white blood cells are fighting off my hair follicles, right? Mm. So, uh, and not fighting off infection. So I would get sick really easily, with, especially with the kids, right? The kids would bring this home with oh, yeah. some 
school and then I would get it. And I started doing these cold showers and the cold plunge and all that stuff and the sauna. And I don't, I barely ever get sick now. And if I do, it's very short. Well, so, you know, I'm yeah, really pretty focused. impressive. So my self-care routine is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to, yeah, because for listeners, they're going to be like, God, I, I, I could never have the consistency to do such a thing. But yeah. this is the result of, I mean, this wasn't like that from day one, right? No, none of it is. Listen, I tell people, like, you just got to do a little bit each day. Mm. Just, just a, something a little bit to make yourself better that day. Five minutes of breathing five minutes of meditation, a cold shower, just one thing, right? And, and, and then it builds, it's building blocks. You can't do all that stuff right out of the gate. And, you know, I'm not perfect with it either. And what's hard for me too is I, you know, I travel a lot for work. I go to Los Angeles and I do these breathwork teacher trainings in person in Los Angeles, or I go do a retreat, you know, I'm doing a retreat in Iceland in June and I do all these different things and it throws off that whole self-care routine that I just described to you, right? So you know, and I'm working all day and I'm exhausted, you know, and so it's like, it all gets thrown off and then I feel like crap and I have to get it back on the thing again. And so, you know, none of us is perfect. Like I say that all the time in my classes, like no one here is doing this perfectly, mm. but why are we beating ourselves up? Because I screwed up today. Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I messed up on my post for my thing. I spelled something wrong on my post. I'm an idiot. I can't believe I said that to my boss. I can't believe I did this. I can't, you know, why are you beating yourself up? Everyone is making a million mistakes every day. Yeah. You can stop beating yourself up for your stupid little mistakes and start loving yourself a little more. Then you, then you'll start to have a shift. Exactly. Yeah. I'd say the only mistake we make is obsessing about our mistakes, right? Yeah. yeah. There we get lost. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you if there was a certain progression. So I have a lot of people who come to you and are like, okay, in three months, will I have come, will I have achieved something with doing breathwork? Is there like a progression of experience? And you're like, oh, after three months, I'm like, feeling so much yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah, there is for sure. It's different for everybody though. Mm -hmm. You know, I had one woman who came to my class, I want to say it was like six months and she just bald every time she came and she's like mm -hmm. when am I going to stop crying when am I going to stop feeling all this mm -hmm. and I said when you're done you yeah. know and sure enough six months she was like she would just come and breathe and she would get right to bliss and gratitude and love and then you know I see her show up with a man and she's got this like she's a different person like I watched her transform in front of my eyes but like you know people want a quick fix they want it instantly they want all the results done I mean, breathwork is the quickest fix I've ever seen for anything on this planet. Me too. In an hour, you can feel completely different and release all this stuff. So it is that quick fix. That's why it's so growing so fast right now. That's why it's one of the fastest growing things in the world. It's incredible. But like your whole life isn't going to get fixed in three months. I mean, I tell people in, like in sobriety too, it's like, listen, you've been screwing up your life for 30 years. It's not going to be fixed in 30 days. <laughs> or three months, you know, we got to give it a year or two or five, you know, and it takes time to build things. Yeah. It yeah. always takes longer than what we think it should. Yeah. It takes longer than what we think it should. You know, I've had students who come to me with these amazing ideas and they're like, I want to work with teens. I, this one girl came to me. I want to work with 13 year old girls and help them, you know, do this, this, and this. And I was like, amazing. And she did my teacher trainings and she came to my classes and I watched her and it took her, I think, two years, you know, to get it going, to get her program going. But now she's got this program online where she helps teenage girls. And I see the testimonials from these teenage girls where they're like, I, I didn't know what the point of life was. I wanted to get, I wanted to commit suicide. I wanted to die. And now I'm doing this thing. It's changed my life. And I'm like, I start to feel choked up from that because I watched that whole thing from her coming and like just saying, I want to help teenage girls to like, now she's doing it. Yeah. right she's out there doing it she's helping the planet and but it took two years for her to get that off the ground oh, i love that you say that yeah and we think it is and if you're you know you've got to be willing to put in the work i think too many people now are just not willing to put in the work they yeah. it's we're living in this instant like you click on somebody's instagram and you just see all these amazing things and you think like i should have that right now yeah you know? and it's like why should you have that right now you haven't done the work for that 
you know no. you haven't actually done any of the work that that person's done and you know what that that person's life isn't perfect they're just putting up perfect snapshots of it but their life isn't perfect my life isn't perfect my no. life is the best it's ever been i mean i'm the happiest i've ever been i'm the most fulfilled i've ever been mm. in every area but it's not perfect and there's things that piss me off and annoy me all the time and with success and all these other things comes a bunch of other headaches too that yeah. you don't know about till you get there yeah. <laughs> i can only imagine that yeah i feel like this again comes from this place of not enough when we want something we see somebody else doing it and we're like oh this will make me enough then we want it instantly and then bam when it's not happening it's just another proof for us not being enough well also i think too that yes and we get that thing sometimes and we've already moved on to the next thing yeah like i i always point out to my students like they're like oh there's only 20 people coming to my class i'm like yeah you know what though six months ago you didn't even know what breathwork was yeah you know I mean? like you forget like even me i forget like oh my god i wanted to have this thing and i, I have it now yeah. but i've already moved on to the next thing I, i was like now i want a book and now i want this and now i want that oh but a couple of years ago i wanted you know an online program and i wanted i wanted teacher trainings and i wanted that and i have all that now So can I just stop for a minute? Can I just stop jumping ahead to the next thing and mm. just go recognize like I am right now where I wanted to be a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. Can I just stop and appreciate it? Mm. Just get grateful for what I have in my exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. If you're not grateful for what you have now, you're never going to be grateful for what you get later. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Beautiful. So I always ask uh, a quite annoying question at the end, but I think that for you, <laughs> this is going to be pretty okay. Um, so to John Paul Crimi, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> I think the meaning of life is to find your purpose, find your gift, find what you're meant to do. Hmm. And it struggles for so long to figure that out. Mm. And I tried all these things I thought were my gift, I thought was my purpose, I thought I was supposed to be. And I had to let go of all those ideas of who I thought I was supposed to be and what I thought my life was supposed to look like to step into my gift and my purpose, which is just helping people. Mm. Right? And so I think that that's the meaning of life is to find your purpose. And when you find that purpose to share it with people and help other people if you can and just you know, be a force of good on this planet and change the planet for good. And for me, that's the meaning of life. Yeah. And to just, and to just love, you know, to just try and love yourself and, and others the best you can. Mm, beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> so John, how can we find you, contact you, what you're up to? Yeah. Uh, you have lots of things going on. Yeah, I do. I, it's awesome. I, I have, so I have a website, which everything is on the website and just spend some time on there navigating through it before you send me an email. People who like scroll over the button of the question and just send me an email. I'm like, just look around the website for a few minutes. Just click on the things. It's all right there. Like everyone's so fucking lazy now. I'm sorry for swearing, but it's just like, I don't mind emails, but like you just scrolled over the button that would have answered your question to get to the contact button. So like spend some time. Don't be lazy. So the website is breathe with JP, uh, B R E A T H E W I T H J P breathe with JP.com. Maybe you can put a link to that or whatever. And I'm on Instagram too. I have Facebook as well. I probably spend more time on Instagram, um, than Facebook. And, you know, my website and, and I'm doing, you know, I'm doing retreats and I got one in Iceland in June, which I'm super excited about teacher trainings live in Los Angeles. If mm. you can't do live teacher training, you can do the teacher training online. I have it set in there so you can do it online at your own pace. And then people are like, well, how do I get started on this thing? And I always say, you know, I have, well, I have some guided albums on iTunes. That's probably the cheapest yeah. way to get started. I think they're like 11 bucks, right? Or you can upgrade it. You can do the five day detox, the five day emotional breathwork detox, which is a course online. And that is like a game changer. If you actually go in there and do everything in that course, 
you will feel like a different person in five days, which sounds like an incredibly ridiculous proposition. <laughs> like if I was listening to this, I'd be like, Marketer, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do your course. And in five days, my life is going to be changed. But like, do it. It. yeah, do it. And then tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it works. It's incredible. And these are like all the workshops I used to do in Los Angeles all the time. And, and all the things I've done in my life and still do in my life that have changed my life, you know, combined into this course. It's pretty mm-hmm. powerful. Okay. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. I'm feeling all like excited and enthusiastic. Your energy is amazing. Your heart really is in this. Um, Yeah. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for being here with us and for coming to the end of this podcast. Congratulations as well, because only 15% of people get to the end of a podcast. So it seems... If you want to know more about breathwork, I warmly invite you to join either one of my sessions or John Paul's. It's a beautiful, intense practice and really just an open mind is needed to go within and see what can happen. In the show notes, you'll find all information and you will also see a link where you can book in an intuitive connection chat with me. I am still working even in these times. I'm right here able to offer you my services when it comes to intuitive eating, deep dives, intuitive success and intuitive business growth. These connection chats are 30 minute chats where I really just garner all my skills, all my intuition to give you a full on breakthrough and see what your next step is and what is needed and I always refer people to other practitioners or other practices in case my approach and my energy isn't the right fit for you. I wish you a beautiful beautiful day and I just want to leave you here with this last question that I hope you can ask yourself throughout your days even now. Ask yourself the question, what would really give me pleasure and ease right now? Just write that out, put that in front of your desk or whatever, and just really ask yourself that twice, three times a day at least. As a woman, it's so important to ask yourself that question, to connect with earthly pleasure, to feel safe and to be able to create. So what would give you pleasure and ease right now? You're very welcome to share that with me. Contact me on Instagram by email or with a connection chat. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you just give me a little review of five stars and that could help us grow and get this message out there. Sending so much love. Ciao.